everybody. Um, if you're finding this podcast for the first time, welcome. If you are a reoccurring listener, welcome. I decided to do something a little bit different this week. I haven't done this before. I wanted to go back to an interview that I did with my friend Tamia Deary back in December, which seems like years ago. And I thought, with everything that's going on in our world, with two pandemics going on, the pandemic of COVID-19 and the pandemic that has been going on for hundreds of years against black and brown bodies, it would be a really good time to go back to this episode. It is as... (sighs) It is as important today as it was back then, if not more important, because we need to use our time and our resources and our influence to highlight and put in front of our own the voices and the strategies and the ideas of black and brown people. Tamia is one of those people that uses her time, her energy, everything she has to promote other voices within her community. She does that through PDX Alliance for Self-Care, connecting vulnerable communities in Portland with self-care resources, practitioners, and events. And she does so much more than that, and the organization does so much more than that. There might be some changes at the end. At the end, you know, when I do What Do You Have to Plug?, Because we are in a shelter-in-place order still, some of the things that she's plugging may have changed. But what hasn't changed is the need for money and resources. That that is not going to change. So they still need support. Get on their Instagram page and like and follow them on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Give them your financial support. Amplify their voice. That is important. That is something that we can do, and it's pretty easy. If you don't have money, there are other ways to do that by, again, following, liking, promoting, sharing, doing all those things, listening, number one. If you do have money, even if it's a small amount of money, every little bit, $5, $2, $500, every little bit is stretched and used to the benefit of that of the community. And um, it's really important. So I hope that if you haven't heard this episode, you give it time, you give it listening, and you give it the attention that it deserves. Because Tamia is an amazing human being doing amazing work. And I am very grateful to call her a friend and to support the work that she is doing in the city and in our country. So thank you. And I hope you enjoy. The reason I wanted Tamia to be on the podcast is I met her through, I think I met you through my friend Tamara. Definitely. And went to the PDX Alliance for Self-Care fundraiser, which is different potters in the city donate bowls. Not even in the city. Don't it's some it's of them? empty bowls, and it and we have... Um, pottery donated from across the United States. Yeah, and I've got some. But it's mostly local potters. Yeah. 
And then that money goes to fund the different things that you do. Yes. So here's what I, how I want this to go. I want you to first talk about maybe a little bit about who you are so that people can understand how who you are ended up being this enormous thing. <laughs> so back in 2015, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I spent the next roughly 18 months um, going through treatment and during that time I was I learned that I had to prioritize myself and in particular my self-care which was a, a new thing for me I definitely grew up in um, taking care of others and I've I've usually put other people's needs in front of my own. So this was the first time that I really had to say, no, me first, oxygen mask on yeah. and the whole nine yards. And it was exhausting, the treatment. And so fast forward to November 2016 and the, the orange hair was elected and I just felt so badly about it because I knew that I had made the right choice to just focus on my cancer treatment and not work on a campaign or do that kind of thing. But also I, I just felt like helpless. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out what I could do to contribute to the resistance when I basically felt like a baby kitten. Yeah. And <clears throat> so I found this, this organization called let's talk that, the fabulous Margaret Jacobson. Yeah, I was a part of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret Jacobson had started that basically political conversation community. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I can talk. So I showed up there and we ended up putting together these work groups and one of them was self-care. And because Margaret Jacobson had the excellent model of elevating and amplifying the voices of black women and femmes and um, putting them forth in leadership. I was one of the only black people in the self-care group and the only one who was available, you know, to do the work on a regular basis. So I offered to facilitate. I was like, I can't really lift a bunch of things or do a bunch of things. I was like, but I can facilitate this. Yeah. And that's sort of how it started. And so we, the self-care work group ran around putting out self-care fires for, I mean, honestly, it was only a, a few weeks because what happened was, right, that was January 2017. And there was a protest or a march of some sort at least once a week, yeah. sometimes <clears throat> more than one a week. So I was constantly running around trying to put out these self-care fires and find people to provide these resources. And What's a self-care fire? Uh, excellent question. So basically what was happening, there, were, there was a small group of people doing a ton of work. Mm -hmm. um, a good example of that, um, my friend Fran, who started the movement Snack Block, yeah was just doing an incredible amount of work putting together the you know snack tables for protests and events and um 
yeah, I, I mean, she was, you know, exhausted and she so was. So you were helping give, try to provide self-care for the people that were on the front lines because I went to quite a few of those protests and I was fatigued and I wasn't going to near as many and I had access to resources. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had insurance so I could at least get therapy. Right. So what we quickly realized is that the people who really needed these resources were disproportionately black, brown, trans, non-binary, disabled. They were disproportionately doing the work and disproportionately did not have access to resources. And the people who were within our Let's Talk community were mostly white and had access to resources. And I said, this doesn't feel right. It feels like we're centering the wrong people and it feels like this is an unsustainable model. Yes. Let's stop. Let's stop trying to do it this way because, I mean, I I remember after just like two weeks thinking, I'll never rest again. Like, I'll never have self-care again. Um, And that that's untenable. So we decided to stop and start a nonprofit and build infrastructure so that we could eventually do it in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all started. Around my dining room table. Yeah. And didn't it start, like, did it start with meals that you were meeting? So we had dinner meetings every week for, like, a year. Yeah. And then they've slowed down, and now, since I've been sick for so long, they've tapered off completely. And I'm looking forward to getting back to that um, after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. I love that even within the model, it's care. Well, I haven't always um, led by example. <laughs> yeah. I try to, but it is hard to start yeah. something. I mean, and it's trying to find that balance because the reality is that anyone who founds any sort of enterprise who doesn't have unlimited funds, you know, white, who doesn't have access to white privilege and white capital, um, is going to have to make sacrifices. Very often people who, you know, start a business are the last ones to get paid. Yeah. And I understand that. And I'm, and I think that, you know, until we dismantle capitalism, that's going to be the case. Yeah. So that's real. But yep. the other side of that is that this is a self-care nonprofit and I need to lead by example. I need yeah. to prioritize my self-care so that I can continue to give to my community. Finding that balance is really challenging. I'm lucky I have a great group of volunteers and a great group, a great board, great support, mm-hmm. people who will remind me yes. because oftentimes they'll be like, I'm fine. And they'll yeah. be like, I mean, are you though? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it starts with, it's funny because I was, I started going to those meetings when Margaret was meeting in somebody's house. And then, you know, so it was like six to 10 people mm-hmm. and they were trying to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and practicing listening to each other across, you know, different beliefs and whatever and then after the election I went 
to a meeting downtown and I was like, oh my God. I th- was it the old PNCA building? The one upstairs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just full. Yeah. And full I was of people. Like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> because, you know, Margaret's saying from the front, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to listen. We're going to prioritize marginalized voices. And then some white lady starts talking and crying in the corner. And I'm like, I can't. I can't do this. That was the most challenging thing. <gasps> Stop crying. I wanted to, I always wanted to have some sort of safe word yes that we could say when some white or remember my favorite of all time when the white guy had the idea that we should put all the black and brown people on a bus and take them to the south to do whatever i honestly don't even remember what we were supposed to do when we got there but it was bananas sounds safe yeah (laughs) yeah and everybody was just like Everybody was just like yeah. this. Yeah. I just Very made a horror. Unwieldy. <laughs> Very unwieldy. And I think, of course, again, it's like the, the thing that I am focusing on, like I said to you with these interviews, is a vision that is, you know, bigger than somebody else and what you do with it. And I, I don't think Margaret had any idea that that was going to happen. They were just putting one step in, one foot in front of the other, trying to do something, trying to make sense of something that is not you can't make sense of racism white supremacy yeah and um but i remember being like this is the worst i mean it's not the worst but because the person is all the way over you're not gonna yell across the room it was just yeah it was uncomfortable so but um i'm very glad that i was a part of it because through that i found the group that I'm a part of, and I have been now since around that time, which is an anti-colonial um, book group. And all we've been doing is reading, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which has been good. And then eventually we'll do something, but we're starting from education, which there's a lot of education that I need, and I'm very grateful for the books that we've read. But... Um, we have a little lending library. Ooh, nice. I'll have to look at it. Before yeah, check it out before you leave. Um, so you have... Oh, see the new Jim Crow. Um, so you have... It's coming from necessity. Yes. Because you're dealing with cancer, so you're self-caring yourself. You're also all of a sudden thrust into... Not all of a sudden. I'm sure you've seen it the whole your entire life. But thrust into the immediacy that Donald Trump has kind of, it's almost like when I think about it, I think of somebody taking a, what do you call that thing that you look through to read? Um, you know, a magnifying thank glass. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is what it's like to talk Oh, I, I took me a second to come up with it. Magnifying glass. And they hold it over an animal mm. and watch it burn. That's kind of what it, it's always been there. All of the stuff that everybody's has dealt with has always been there. His getting becoming the president has so hyper-focused it. As, as, as a black femme, 
I would say I had a different experience. Okay. My experience was going into the election, I knew he was going to win. And yeah. I kept trying to tell white people. Oh, I felt like he was going to win. And too. no one would listen. Yeah. And... I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had the electoral college mansplain to me. I can't That's even me laughing with tea in my mouth. I can't even. I there were two men probably in their in their sixties or older. Did they happen to be white? They were white. Literally mansplained the entire electoral college process to me. Mm. And I remember I remember standing there thinking to myself we're going to have a different conversation next week. Mm-hmm. And we did. And they both yeah. apologized because I called them on yeah. it. I said, remember when you mansplained the electoral college to yeah. me? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, my experience was that things had been getting worse. Mm-hmm. Just in my life, in the world, as yes. I read the news, as I went about... My business as I was interacting with other black and brown and queer people. So, I felt like what happened was that his election gave people who were already starting to act like more overtly racist Mm -hmm. permission to just really up their game. That's, I think that's kind of what I meant by the magnifying glass yeah okay i i i i see the analogy the analogy <laughs> i okay. didn't say it was a good one <laughs> i didn't say it was a good one the ultimate being sh- shit's being burned <laughs> yeah i mean definitely a flaming dumpster fire yeah. we are in agreement so you from there you you formulate a group that sole purpose is self-care. And I think what I would like, because I don't even know if I understand it, and I've been to both of the empty bowls. Sure. And I've, you know, I've seen some of the things that you've done, and we've done the archery together. Um, I still think it would, because you've got the vision, so can you explain? Sure. Does that feel like the next step? I'd like... I love it. Okay. So, I... More and more, I'm I'm realizing that what our organization actually does is community care, and then access to self care for people who need it. And the difference there, I think, is in that self care is whatever you need to yes. take care of yourself to refill the reservoir, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, so that you can keep doing the work. And we started this organization specifically to help people be more resilient so that we can continue to resist, mm-hmm. continue to work on dismantling white supremacy and ending systemic oppression. So that work is long and hard. I don't believe that we will dismantle white supremacy in my lifetime. But my goal is to leave the country um, with a more destabilized white supremacy, mm-hmm. fa- you know, like to destabilize the foundation of white supremacy yeah. and to dismantle as many systems of oppression yeah. as we can yeah. while we're here. 
and so what we try to do is think of all of the ways that we can support our community in getting the, the self-care that they need mm-hmm. and also the community care. We try to we try to provide space. So we host the BIPOC soak night every month. Say what that is. Um, so the and probably some people don't know what sure. BIPOC is. So the Black Indigenous and People of Color Soak Night at Common Ground Wellness. Every third Wednesday of the month, mm-hmm. we host an, a private event that is only for BIPOC folks, and that is four hours a month where nice. we have an opportunity to soak off the toxic white. Mm-hmm supremacy that we endure in this city the other um every every others every second of every day yeah yeah and um and so and then we try to provide as much support in as many ways as we can throughout our community but things that we're trying to do are um like I said, foundational. We're trying to build infrastructure so that we can eventually provide more resources, but in a sustainable manner. Because mm-hmm. I think the most, like the thing that scared me the most when we started this was going into it and saying we could do something and then not being able to do it. Yeah. Um, that just felt horrible to think about saying to black and brown people, and to the LGBTQ community, hey, like here are these resources, and then get really accustomed to having those resources, and then yeah. having those resources disappear because it was un- unsustainable. Yeah. And so we're doing things like building a community, a continuing education curriculum to train the predominantly self white self care practitioners mm-hmm. in Portland to provide safer more intersectional and inclusional access to self-care resources and just to do less harm. How can I take that? I want to do that. Um, so, um, We're going to diverge for a second. We are going to diverge for a second. <laughs> so we, um, we will have a beta testing for every module. Mm-hmm. So um, all of the fantastic people who have been super supportive mm-hmm. to the growth of our organization Thank you so much. You mm-hmm. supported Empty Bowls. And um, I mean, I'm sure you've talked a lot about your amazing archery workshops on your podcast, but they are amazing and empowering. And um, we're going to, yeah, we'll get to that. Anyway. Um, I want to put my name in. Your name is in. Okay. <laughs> so our goal is to build a series of modules and train practitioners so that they can volunteer because going all the way back to the beginning, the, the, what, when I was trying to put out those self care fires, mm-hmm. I had a ton of willing white self care practitioners and a ton of tired black and brown folks who did not want white people touching them, yes. especially if they were trying to get self care. Yeah. And so I trauma and it's re-traumatizing. Exactly. And so I was so frustrated because I knew that the people that I was offering to do this work, I mean, they were people that I knew personally yeah. that I had vetted. And yet, who am I? Yeah. 
you, if you don't know me, then why would you trust me yeah. that I say this person is safer? Yeah. Right? So it was keeping well, me up nights. Were they I mean, wearing a safety pin? Right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, this is me. I am, my, I, my thumbs are near my eyeballs. But that woman who oh. tattooed the giant safety pin on her clavicle. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So it was really keeping me up nights. Yeah. How do we meet the needs mm-hmm. of our community when th- this city of all cities is so. I mean, so many self-care practitioners are white. Mm -hmm. And while we do have a thriving community of black, brown, of indigenous healers, Mm -hmm. the last thing I wanted to do was put the burden on them. I was thinking that when you were talking. That's such a hard... Right? Yeah. So I was like, this is a great idea, except that it's a terrible idea. Yeah. And so Plus, they need the money. And so if they're right. offering it for reduced, right. then so also, right and I don't yeah. want right. So our original goal was to be able to pay black brown people, to pay indigenous people to do the work mm-hmm. and have white people volunteer. Yeah. And yet still that it doesn't work because how are you going to com- convince people that yeah. that they're safe? So then I, we had the idea to train them. But then you're asking people to volunteer, and now you want to also ask them to do a bunch of training on top mm-hmm. of it. It's already getting into a lot of time, and, yeah. and they still haven't even given anyone any care, right? Yes. So, I it's mean... It's the long game. I was yes. literally not yeah. sleeping. I was, every night I was just lying in bed, and I was like, oh, I want to do this. I believe in this work, and also I don't know how to make this work. Well, and you then you probably see how it could work, but you've got to get to the end and you don't have all the moving pieces. So I swear it was one of those like literal light bulb. I didn't even believe in light bulb moments. And then all of a sudden I was lying in bed and it hit me continuing education credits. Mm -hmm. Every self-care practitioner in the state of Oregon has to take continuing education credits to renew their licenses. And so why not create a curriculum and ask them to take that instead of what they would normally take yeah and so we're asking them to do different work instead of more work yes and when as soon as that idea came to be it sort of everything else started to coalesce Mm -hmm. and so we've been working on putting together the first module and we were really lucky. We have an amazing writer and an, an amazing editor. And yet we also had said that we were going to make sure that the people who were most impacted were the people who were doing the work of writing this curriculum and editing yeah. this curriculum. It had to, we had, and more voices and more, um, and as many perspectives. Mm, yeah intersectionally yeah. and include yeah and we knew that that was going to take longer yeah and you gotta find the right people and, and hearing all those voices you have to have a cohesive yes teaching mm-hmm. yes yeah that's complicated and so it's taken way longer than i realized and also i mean i knew we were going to pay them and we yeah. had to generate funds to pay them and yeah um yeah, so it's taken a long time, but we're actually, right now, we just started um, putting together the first module. We're 
it's written and edited and now we are um, getting ready to build it out on a platform and so I'm not gonna we're, we're yeah. I'm not gonna say which platform because yeah. we're we narrowed yeah. it down to two um, but stay tuned for more pdxasc.org yeah um, but once we get the first module up and running then we will start the second one mm -hmm. and so the first one is just creating safer space safer healing spaces mm -hmm. and then the second one will be excel accessibility and inclusion mm -hmm. and then it'll just have sub modules for literally everyone because one of the things that I came across early on this journey was um, this list of um, some of the most racist and horrifically wrong stereotypes still being used in it, this was in 2017 but um still being used at OHSU to teach nurses about different cultural groups and it literally had like black people can tolerate more pain like it was just i mean it was like yeah. it was and Just I was adding like, to the mortality rate. Right. And so I said, you know, if we're going to do this, what we have to do is um, disrupt this process of, of inserting systemic racism into the educational process. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, huh. So the second module will be about teaching people um, actual ways to provide a safer care mm -hmm. for different marginalized groups. Yeah. And then the third module will be the history of trauma in America. Mm -hmm. And once they've taken those three courses, we'll say, okay, we consider them to be um, to have the bare minimum of knowledge in order to do less harm. Yeah. And then you'll be able to volunteer. And then our goal is to have a database of people who need resources and a database of volunteers who have either taken our training or provided us with documentation that they've taken comparable training elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And then we will act as a broker and oh. connect people yeah. who need resources directly to people who want to provide them mm -hmm. so that we can utilize the extra supply of self-care yeah. in our community. And I, I mean, you know, as opposed to like having a clinic where people come, yeah. there's acupuncture on every corner yeah. in this city and massage and, massage and yoga and yeah. all the things that whatever self-care means to you, it's, it's here. Yeah. But a lot of times you just don't feel like that's a place you want to go if you're yeah. a marginalized person. Yeah. So our goal is to is to build access and capacity in that way. That's amazing. And then once we have our core foundational modules done, we have like 13 modules that we are planning on building out. That's great. That's and great. and people keep coming to me with new ideas and I say yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't think it'll ever end. I think it'll always Which I think is kind of the way it's yes to be. I, I agree and that leads me into like with that you know because that's that's a beautiful snowball it is it's growing but you are one human being and I know you're not doing it alone and I I don't think you'd ever say that you haven't said that you have people helping 
I have I have an amazing group of volunteers and the best AmeriCorps Vista on the planet. Yes, you have talked about that person. Yeah. Very Shout out to Jerry Brand. <laughs> if you if you're looking for a job afterwards, I'm sure. <laughs> Jerry is actually just um turned in all of his applications for grad school. He wants to be a doctor of gender studies. I'm very excited for um the world because yeah. he is amazing. Mm-hmm. Sounds amazing. And I think it's needed. Yes. Um so you personally you have you have all these peop this support system in place for the organization and they also help you but you have the vision so how do you as somebody with something that started out it started out as a big vision but it's be, it's steadily grown how do you what do you do with that does that make sense like yeah it does and and it's funny um that this your request to have me sit down with you came when it did because I started this in January of 2017 and now we are in December of 2019 and it's we're still just plugging along mm-hmm. but you're right it has it's so much bigger than it was and I remember thinking like that I was going to like get paid like that first year that we were just going to generate funds and write grants and it was <laughs> right and then I was like oh certainly by the second year I wish year. it would have happened <laughs> And so, um, as we, last year, I had the great fortune of um, having one of the most amazing humans I've ever met as my head intern. Um, Her name is Yosha, and she had come back from a an a bad experience at Evergreen and she was at PCC while she um re, you know applied to new schools and it was such a blessing that she was in town and available and um I I I knew Yosha because her stepmom is one of my best friends and so I I knew that Yosha was a I mean an amazing activist and organizer in high school she was one of the leaders of the movement to get the police out of schools mm. and where did um, she go because her name sounds really familiar where did she go to school yeah or where did she go to high school do you know where she went to high school no okay Doesn't terrible her name, her oh, name she'll really laugh familiar. if she hears this because i'm so bad with the school names it's ridiculous marshall madison i went to tiger i i oh, i grew okay. up in portland but then i moved to the suburbs yeah, I can't keep those yeah. a white Why presidents straight. <laughs> um, Insult to injury. Right? So anyway, um, Yosha taught me more I, than I taught her, but we did a lot of great work together. And I ended up having started all of this amazing work and momentum. And then in March late March, early April, everything sort of started to go off the rails and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And it turned out that I had developed migraines from switching chemo meds 
and I didn't know that they were migraines for the longest time because I'd never had one, mm-hmm. and and they didn't they don't always I don't always have like the actual head pain. Sometimes yeah. I just have the cognitive auras and the olfactory and auditory auras, and things are just you know my brains are scrambled mm-hmm. and I can't find my words and I I was like in my do I, I mean I had I made an appointment with my oncologist I thought I might have brain mets you know I thought my cancer yeah. might be back and my greatest fear because I also I take care of my grandma who has advanced alzheimers I was afraid I had early onset alzheimers cuz I mean yeah. I looked up from from my computer one day, I was sitting across from Yosha, and Yosha was looking at me like I look at my grandma. And right then I knew I had to do something. So I went in and I had a memory test and I did terribly and my memory's always been like, you know, and I was like, what's going on? And it turns out I was having daily, nonstop migraines for six months. Oh my God. And I, I mean, the la- that six months, like looking back, it's like holes in my memory. I, I have work that I've done I don't remember doing. And then I got sick. Like literally a month after I got the migraines figured out. This whole year has just been like, I mean, I had to go to, I had to call a board meeting and ask them to like take over and support mm-hmm. me so I could take some time off. I had to go down to four days a week from seven. That was really hard. But I was no longer being effective because I was, I just kept trying to push through the migraines. Mm -hmm. Like I pushed through cancer and everything else in my life. I've always just been someone who was like, let's just get it done. Like, let's just do it. And all of a sudden, I was just, I was making everything worse by continuing to try to do the work when I wasn't in any shape. So... As this year is ending, I'm looking at all of this work that I've built with this great organization and all the volunteers and support I have, and I've realized that it's at a point where I really do have to figure out how to keep this snowball cold Mm -hmm. and on a path that will lead it to the end goal of providing these resources and not like just off a cliff. Yeah. And that's a big challenge. I didn't I didn't come into this work with a background in nonprofit management. Yeah. And I I do I have a great vision, a vision I believe in, a vision yeah. that I put together with a great group of people so it isn't just, you know, it isn't just my vision and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, take credit for it. Yeah. Like I, like I, it's all me, yeah. but, um, I do believe that I have a vision and I think that trying to take a vision and make it reality is way more challenging than anyone who hasn't done that realizes. Yeah. I, I mean, when you told me you were writing grants, we tried to do that when I was, um, the minister at the bridge for mm-hmm. food church and mm-hmm. stuff. And it was, we one, we couldn't get anybody to volunteer to do it. And then two, like we, it's hard. I mean, that is like a full-time job. Hard and yeah. And time consuming. Yes. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the time to do it. And then also it's not, doesn't come naturally. Like if you don't know how to do it, you have to figure it out. Yeah. We, I mean, and then another shout, shout out to an amazing human in our community, Layla Hale, 
um, they teach a grant writing workshop that is just absolutely phenomenal. They are really, really, really sharp and really good at teaching the basics of grant writing. Mm -hmm. And I give them full on props for helping us get to the point where we are able to at least write grants on our own. Um, but the problem is no one wants to fund us because we aren't a proven model. We don't yeah. have anyone else out there doing this work that we can point to. Yeah. And so, you know, and then also people think of self-care and they think of of the luxurious, you know, yeah. bubble baths yeah. and... Um, Getting your manicure. And even what, even though we, in the grants, we write about, you know, the necessity for building resilience and, mm-hmm. and we are d- actually doing the work that everyone is talking about wanting to yeah. do. And all of the grant um, funders are talking about diversity and equity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And that is our model and always has been. Um, and... They just aren't interested in in an untried yeah. model of of community support, and so what I've what I've been doing for the last three years is building relationships in within the community and building partnerships, and that's really starting to come to fruition. Um, I've been working with community. Or I'm sorry, I've been working with Campus Compact of Oregon um, since the beginning of 2018, and we are getting ready to do some great collaborative work together I'm really excited about, and they just asked me to join their board, mm-hmm. and um, and that's a great honor because their board has to be 50% college and university presidents. Whoa. And so their the entire staff voted for me to oh, join their board and their executive director um asked me to join their board and um so that feels really good. Yeah. It lets me know that um I'm on the right path. Yeah. Um and so I've been thinking a lot about the questions around what do you do when something snowballs? And I think that I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, you don't have to have the answer. And the things that keep coming back are continuing to build relationships and to build collaborative partnerships and to get right in in my head with, like it's okay for me to get paid Mm -hmm. to do the work that I'm doing. I, I feel so strongly that our community needs these resources that I've been really happy and willing to do this work, um, without getting paid because it felt like, like it was what was getting me out of bed in the morning. And it felt like everything was falling into place except for the money (laughs) but it it, you know what I mean but it felt like (laughs) I was on the right path and if I'm going to empower black and brown people Mm -hmm. if I'm going to empower 
the LGBTQ community with these resources, I have to also get paid as a disabled queer black femme. I have to get paid. And you also, it's like the self-care thing you said in the beginning, you have to model. I do. Because that's the first thing that I think a lot of people feel is, well, I'm passionate about it, so shouldn't I be able to do it without getting paid? You know, because, but the people that aren't thinking that have no trouble taking the money. Right. So absolutely you should get paid. And... And that is a sustainable model. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. W- everything that you're doing is about sustainability, about sustain, s- sustainably staying in the fight, sustainably caring for others, sustainably caring for yourself, and sustainably being able to live. Right. And that's the thing. And that's, you know, when I look at the, this last year and how I ended up with six months of migraines and three months of illness... I realized that part of that is the is the erosive like the erosion mm-hmm. of my well-being that comes from not having like financial security, yeah. not having housing yeah. security, yeah. not having access to resources so that I can take care of myself like yeah. being able to pay for medication that's not covered by insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Just basic things. And I have a great community that totally supports me and and would, I think, step up and support me if I asked um, pride, embarrassment yeah. about, you know, not being able to to meet my needs and also just not being able to um, get this organization funded as fast as I had hoped. Yeah. You know? And I'm thinking 2017, 2019, you have fucking blown my mind. You know what I mean? I, I know where you're, what you're saying because I say similar things to myself. But what you've done, what PDX Alliance for Self-Care has done in three years, that is three years. It is three years. I <laughs> Almost... I mean, you're going into your fourth year. Mm-hmm. It's huge, but yes, as the I would, you're you know you're part of the. You know, you're the head of the boat or whatever, so you're plowing through the water, with with the vision. And yes, everybody is a part of the vision. You have you're always farther ahead, wanting. It to be different. Yeah, wanting to provide more for yourself and for others, and it makes complete sense. Well, and then part of building relationships within my community is just I constantly see the need. Yeah. I'm constantly interacting with the people who are doing the work. Yeah. Who and and I mean the people who are really doing the work are absolutely disproportionately black, indigenous, mm-hmm. people of color and and members of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. yeah. And and people with chronic illness, people yeah. with disabilities, people with mental health diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 
I don't have the same zeal. I had a lot of energy yeah. um, when I first started this. But now I just have a lot of determination and resolve mm-hmm. because I know that the work that we are trying to provide for our community is the work that that I should be doing mm-hmm. and that needs to be done and that we that the access to resources must improve because this country is getting worse and it doesn't matter who wins the election it isn't yeah. going to change the systems are the systems exactly yeah. exactly and so the work that I'm doing is work that is going to be necessary for my lifetime and beyond. Yeah. And so I do need to get paid so that I can keep doing this work. Yeah. And so getting paid in 2020, that's, yes. that's my that's mantra. Our, yeah, <laughs> getting paid in 2020. I'll make you a little mantra sticker. Okay, do, because I'll wear it. <laughs> so along those lines, I guess maybe a good thing to talk about is I do want you to plug stuff at the end and I think this is a slightly different question and mm-hmm. maybe maybe they're one and the same is how can people support what you do and I and I'm guessing they're you know sustainable ways to support I mean OPB has that mm-hmm. like I can donate to OPB five bucks a month you know are there ways that people can sustainably support the organization and if people are not in a position to do that what are the ways that people because I always like to ask that question because I always have financial restrictions absolutely but I can sometimes show up like to the Mm -hmm. I can do the empty bowls or I can provide a workshop or whatever what can people do financially and you know, support or whatever. Absolutely. Great question. There And there are so many ways. The great thing about our organization is how many ways you can support us. So quite honestly, financially is that like we need yeah. money because we're Number trying to one. do a lot of things. Yeah. And um, one of the things that is most helpful for me in leading this organization is to have the monthly donors and to know that we will have Mm -hmm. this much money coming in every month to cover our needs and And is that on the website so we have a donor box on our website and i mean seriously five dollars a month is great we'll take it we're thrilled realize that five dollars seriously like i mean because there have been times when i was like oof we need we need paper (laughs) i don't have money to buy paper um and five dollars will buy me a thing of paper keep us working right um so always financial but um what we really need is trained volunteers we've had so many people offer to volunteer but the fact of the matter is that we very specifically talk about doing less harm and creating safer spaces so we can't just have anyone come off the street and show up and volunteer because we can't ensure that they are going to help us create safer spaces and so i haven't had the I haven't had the capacity 
to do the volunteer orientations. Every time that I've tried to do that, it's really sort of just pushed me into the like overmaxed yeah. point. And, um, and it takes a lot of time and energy and focus to do that. So my amazing AmeriCorps Vista is writing our volunteer um, curriculum right now. Oh, great. And in early January, we should be scheduling volunteer orientations for mm-hmm. the next five months. And now that I have someone who can actually run the volunteer orientations and help, so, you don't have to do so it. I don't have to do it, that's going to be huge. So if you want to volunteer, um, stay tuned um, and check in with our website. We will be... Uh, we will be listing volunteer orientations. We will have them in all five quadrants of the city. They will be accessible. If you need transportation, we will support you in that because we want everyone to volunteer at um, to their capacity, whatever mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. Um, so we definitely have a lot of work to do, yeah. and we would love to have more volunteers. Like we have our next empty bowls coming up in March. And it takes a lot of yes, it does. work and a lot of volunteers. <laughs> and it the last two years, it has been our small core group that has just really busted their buns. Mm-hmm. And my goal for another goal for 2020 is to have our volunteers do a reasonable amount of work. Yeah. Everybody do a reasonable amount of work because we have enough hands. Yep. I really do. I, I'm not much for cliches, but um, many hands makes light work is my favorite. That is... Yeah, that's true. It does. Yeah. So those are those are the the two that really um that we really need right now because we have so many things coming up which yeah. we're going to get to. And then um thirdly, we really want to support the um the black and brown, the indigenous healers in our community and a lot of people have reached out offering services and I can't even keep up with I can't even keep up with the email at mm-hmm. this point to be perfectly frank I am so in the weeds so I apologize to everyone who hasn't had an email returned <laughs> if you saw my email inbox you would cry um but my goal is in 2020 to have trained volunteers who can also help me with the influx of people offering to support us through like you said um we have all of these amazing healers and we want to make sure that everyone knows about them so we're so we have so um we are writing a resource guide that we're going to have on our website Mm -hmm. so that we have um as many black and brown indigenous yeah. healers as possible yeah. and um therapists too because yes that, that's i mean really and, and then also just everything like people who do black hair and yeah. all the things that yes. people are always looking for yeah. and there's so many different like versions of that out there yeah. and our goal is to not only have the 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 um what's that word for when you have the version that is has all of the things but access 
like links to anyone else who's doing mm-hmm. that work. Yeah. You know, as many as many different ways to find out as we can. Um not and, and so if you have reached out and you haven't got a response, it's because we are in the weeds and I apologize, but our goal for 2020 is to catch up on our correspondence and get as many people who want to donate as possible yeah. and then um the the workshops that you donate for our empty bowls raffles are like people are uh, wild about them we they like love them they're so excited and everybody's like oh i hope i get the work the <laughs> archery workshop um so yeah if you if you have a business and you can donate yeah. a raffle or silent auction prize that's hugely yeah. helpful um if you know of a venue because i just found out that the venue that we thought we were going to have is just cost prohibitive we are not going to be able to afford it so i have to find a new venue i might be able to help you so if you have a venue that'll hold between 200 and 250 people and you want to give it and you yeah and you want to yeah um and you want to support our burgeoning organization because we have great work to offer the community (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna keep rolling. We're just gonna keep rolling, and I'm just gonna actually, I'm gonna actually make sure that I hit the mute button because apparently it happens. I Usually, it's you my know what? dogs. What I did was not wear my glasses, and I bet it was already on mute. <laughs> <laughs> That's so something I would do. Um, okay. So what I was saying, you were talking about donate a building, two hundred to two hundred fifty people, and. Because we have a ton of work that we are preparing for this summer. Mm-hmm. And so we, we more than ever really need some fundraising magic to happen so yeah. that we can do this work. We're writing a ton of grants and we're working on some really powerful yes. collaborations. But we definitely need to be able to finance the work that yeah. we're doing. So even if it's a one-off thing, like like I've I don't have a lot of extra money, but I can donate a workshop because also, and I don't think I think a lot of business people maybe think this way is like maybe they haven't reached that point where they're sustainable, but it's good for them to donate, and maybe they don't have the funds to donate money, but they could donate what they do. Pottery, Tamara's always donating tons of her beautiful pottery. Other potters donate, people donate, like marijuana's legal and can we shout out to Tamara Bryant because Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you wanna see really beautiful pottery, check out our friend Tamara Bryant and um buy her stuff. Yeah, because she is amazingly gifted. She's she I am I am a bit of a ceramic connoisseur, and yeah. I'm here to tell you she's the real deal. Yeah. Um, and then also she is the most generous and supportive volunteer and benefactor. Yeah, she's amazing. Amazing. So I also want, from there I want to move into, so I'm going to say this too. Get on pdxasc.org and... All of the stuff we're talking about, you can see the mission statement, you can 
you can peruse the website, sign up to receive the email updates and you'll hear about all this stuff. But what do you, like moving into the last question, I guess, is what do you want to plug? Yeah, great. So what I want to plug is the youth development and education work that we're doing because I'm really proud of it. And I think that it's, I think it's going to end up being PDXASC's legacy. So we started a self-care workshop for youth. Um, Yosha and I built that last year. Um, Yosha, I actually just said, hey, Yosha, like, I want to, I want to do this. And Yosha just ran with it and made us a beautiful workshop. So we take our self-care kits that we sell and also donate to people who can't afford them. Sure. So our self-care kits contain um, a stress ball and some earplugs and aromatherapy spray in relaxing or energizing fragrances. And right now um, they include a grounding elixir that was donated by an indigenous healer in our community there and it's a very powerful amazing i love oh um yes and it's in a really cute bag right really cute bag and there is a dbt and mindfulness skill card so before i leave i want to know what do you want to plug I want people to know about our upcoming summer projects. I'm really excited about. We're doing a self-care and nature walk for communities of color. We just did our We just did our We just did our pilot and it went really well. So we are planning on writing some grants and working with some collaborative partners so that we can offer that all summer long. And we did the first one at Blue Lake Park. It includes self-care workshop, the self-care kit making workshop, the, I'm I'm losing my complete train. I know, what happened was, to me I'd said all this, and then we looked down and my my app wasn't recording. (laughs) So you had said there was a mindfulness piece on the lake, Somebody did a plant identification for self-care. Um, well, in the... Nature so, walk. So it's a nature walk. We did the first one at Blue Lake Park. We'll do it at Blue Lake Park again, but we're also... We'll do it in different areas uh, throughout the metro area. So we yeah. can... So it's easier for people yes, to make it. To yes, so we can yeah. give as many people access as possible. And... We will provide accessible transportation, meet up points where people can um, get a ride mm-hmm. out to the event. And then um, once you get there, we'll do the self-care kit making workshop. We do a healing plant identification workshop. We do mindfulness. We did it on the lakeshore. That was delightful. And then in the summer, we will do yoga and journaling and... We just agreed that we are going to write a grant to do a version with your archery workshop that I'm so excited about. Me too. Woo! (laughs) 
Um, I want everybody in the world. Everybody, to do our except yes. yucky people. Right, that is true. There are some people I, I don't wanna, want to teach our truth. I don't want to arm. Right, there are people who are already armed. We yeah. don't want to arm them in more <laughs> um, ways. So we're excited about that, and then we are also planning to do the self-care kit making workshop in schools if you are interested in having us come to your school um, to do the workshop feel free to contact me through the website or you can email me directly to mia at pdxasc.org and we um, are looking for for schools to pay us to come do the workshop um, for the rest of the 1920 school year and then we're working on a big project to um, request funds through the Student Success Act to do it sustainably through the 2021 mm-hmm. school year so we're excited about that and then our la- the last thing that we're working on is a youth camp for for students and we haven't solidified the ages yet We'll focus on students 12 to 18. We'll do a less intensive workshop for younger students. Mm -hmm. We haven't figured out what the cutoff age is. If you have thoughts on that, feel free to contact me and let me know. But what we want to do is provide an opportunity for students to have a summer camp experience. And we're also going to center BIPOC and LGBTQ youth as we do in all our work and we are adding a self-defense element. Last winter when we had the the uptake in violence against the LGBTQ community there weren't a lot of youth specific responses to that Mm -hmm. violence so we want to um, make sure that we give marginalized kids who may be at higher risk for violence some some tools so we're going to do self-defense positional and situational awareness mm-hmm. and and teach kids some skills and we're really excited about that we're, we're working on a project to collaborate with campus compact of oregon to have summer vistas teach the camp and i think it's going to be really really yeah. powerful i'm really excited well, what I what I hear you saying, all of those things, I mean, yes, they all tie to the vision, but they're all building sustainability. Like, my, my brother-in-law's child is non-binary, and they were on the MAX, which is our one of our public transportation things here in Portland. And they got targeted by one of the, whatever, the guards on the max. And um, it was very scary for them. And then they were put off the max with their friend in an area of town that they had never been in, didn't know. Luckily, their phone wasn't dead and they were able to call. They live with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. And they were able to call her and have her come and pick them up. But that, that kind of stuff's happening all the time. It is. And that goes back into that educational piece that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. If that person would have been educated on what it's like to walk through the world already as a target, Mm -hmm. 
One, you should never be putting any person Hello? under the age of 18 off a max. Plus, I really don't think you should put anybody off Wait, uh, public transportation. But, especially not if they're not if, young. If, they're, if they are not an like immediate threat. Yeah, if they're... But then also, on the flip side of that, if they are an immediate threat, then you should put them off. And that also doesn't happen. No. The, the opposite. Yeah, exactly. There are a lot exactly. of... There are a lot of white people um, just causing all sorts yes, of harm. Yes. To... So I'm talking about, especially about youth. Mm-hmm. Like, if there is somebody young, they should never be pushed off of a bus. Like, like on so many levels, just because it's not safe right. for them to be put out where they don't belong, even even if they don't have money. So... For me personally, as somebody that loves my, they're not whatever niblets. Niblets, I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, to know that I already know they're vulnerable, and to know that I already know their targets. But if they had some tools, it's still not going to prevent that from happening. But maybe maybe it wouldn't do as much damage as it does when it happens. Right, and that's the thing. Um, the trauma is going to occur. I yeah. mean, that's the reality of being a marginalized person. Yeah. And our goal is to give people skills. Our mission, yeah. essentially, is to provide resources, events... Yeah. education and advocacy for marginalized and underserved people in our community and to center BIPOC and LGBTQ people in the work that we do and to make all of the work that we do as accessible as we possibly can. Yeah. That's a really important piece that falls by the wayside far too often. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you gave me your time. I am I'm so really excited about talking to you. I am so And I'm grateful. really sorry that it deleted... A really good conversation <laughs> that we had, but I think we were able to save it. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for being My here. People can find you at PDX Alliance for Self Care dot PDX ASC dot org is and the... then same Instagram handle um, at PDX ASC Facebook at PDX ASC Twitter, Twitter. at PDX ASC. So keep it simple. Look her up. Look up the organization, and I know that there's different people in different places in life with different accesses. If you have access to money, by God, use that money to benefit other people. If you don't have access to money, what do you have access to? Do, to? Maybe take, a, take stock of that, because I think the thing that stopped me so long, feeling like I didn't have money, I didn't know what to do, is learning how to show up, be taught by other people, and that's that's where the training comes in. Because I am a white cis woman. It is my job to get trained by people that can tell me what I do that is painful and re-traumatizing to them. If I go in expecting to teach other people how to treat them, that's wrong, and that's also re-traumatizing. So we have a specific, this is to white people listening, we have a specific call to one, educate ourselves. Don't expect people to educate you for free. Educate ourselves, read, 
read books by people of color, read books by indigenous folks. You can you can you can donate books to our lending library. Yes. Um we have an Amazon wish list. Oh yeah, what's what's that under? It's under PDX Alliance for Self-Care, I think, but let me confirm that and I'll put a link to it okay. on our website. Awesome. Should have so done. there's lots that you can do even if you don't have money, but I would say f- give money because that doesn't have necessarily have strings attached and educate yourself. And give time. We, yeah. we have... We can provide more resources for our community if we have more help, more hands. Yeah, but take instruction. And I'll end with that. I love it. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you.